Welcome to the Planet X Cinema Podcast. We're a pop-up movie theater in the great state of Texas. We show films in a genre we call righteous trash. Basically movies that don't stack up or haven't found their audience yet. Bizarro cinema, uh, drive-in classics, Hollywood B-movies. Look, our only rule is that we don't show movies we don't love. On this podcast, we don't talk about movies that already exist. We take hypothetical movie titles supplied by you, the Planet X faithful, and we turn them into fully fleshed out films. It's like the world's crappiest writer's room. You can email us suggestions at planetxcinema at gmail.com or through our website at planetxcinema.com. We've got the form up and working. Please use it. My name is Blair Hicks. I'm Drew Hicks, and Blair, I think you have a, uh, you have a big announcement. I hate to bring the tone of the podcast down right at the beginning, but I think I have something that I, I need to address. So if you don't mind, Drew, just to, to give me just give me a quick moment. And then I think we can we can get on through this thing, all right? So please, uh, please, please proceed. All right, thank you. So as you know, I am Blair Hicks. I am Drew Hicks's brother. And twice on this podcast, I have named a villain with the last name Nefario. And it has come to my attention that that is also the name of the character from the Despicable Me slash Minions movie series. <laughs> I want to acknowledge that. Um, my wife, who doesn't exist, has stood beside me in this time of struggle. I want everyone to know that I am not a minionist, and I am working with the minion community through this difficult time. I sincerely apologize. These remarks do not in any way reflect who I am as a person, and I hope that we can all work forward to do what's best for the Planet X community Thank you very much for your time. I will not be taking questions. So, so let me get this straight. All right, I will take one question. You, you, sir. <laughs> you yeah, hi, uh, Drew Hicks, Washington Post. Um, you used the name Joe Nefario in both Halloweeners and Crypt Crushers. That's correct, sir. Yeah. Putting us in, I mean, as we've said, we walk into highly litigious waters every week to make this show possible. And you have brought the Minions Thunder down upon us. Yes, there may be a Minion Apocalypse. I am prepared for that eventuality, and I take full responsibility. Again, my wife, who does not exist, has been extremely supportive. Okay, you know what? You, um, you were very brave for saying this. I appreciate your candor. I'm not a hero. Uh, you are my brother, and I still love you. I, I need to have some questions answered. You're really stretching this... Uh, this no questions thing from my bit, but all right, go ahead. Have you seen the Minions movies? All of them. Are you shitting me, really? Yeah, I've seen that them is, all. That is a radioactive pool that not even I will approach. Drew, as you know, I will watch anything twice. Wow. I don't feel it's fair for me to make fun of something like the Minions without at least getting really loaded and watching those movies. Okay, no, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to do something I never thought I would do. I'm going to defend Minions. Because if Minions had failed, you and I would talk about it on this podcast. It's like, oh, it had some good bits. It kind of worked, right? Like, you and I are the safety net that films fall into. When they <laughs> 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 but we're like, hey, wait 
minute, wait, wait. There was some good shit in there, right? And so I feel like there's an alternative universe where Minions is not a pop culture success where you and I are like, I don't know, I think they were doing some really subversive stuff for their time. <laughs> I, I, like, I appreciate you having the bravery to, to, to watch Minions. I'm here on this podcast saying it was pretentious of me to even suggest that I was above watching those movies. That was bad I, on me. That's true. You know, I, I, you know, but that's okay, man. I'm still, I'm still dying on the How to Train Your Dragons mountain of like, these are great films. Oh, they're amazing. I cannot wait to show How, I Tra- How to Train Your Dragon to my kids. Like, I, it, are there people that are down on those films? Not yeah, I think, like, I mean, I, well, I just think like, I don't know, like La-di-da, nose in their air, like movie watcher people are like, oh, it's like DreamWorks garbage. And it's like, I don't know, man, that second one had a really touching story about like his mother and like, I like that the the protagonists have grown up a la Harry Potter. Like there's, as they, a, there's a lot there, man. Those aren't bad movies at all. I think they're really good. I mean, they're obviously very commercially successful, so good good on them. But I, I think they're fun movies. I think, I don't know. I think your hypothetical wife should have left you. She's right here, man. <laughs> I just think if she had any self-respect, she Funny would hypothetically you leave you. I'm podcasting. Can you go? Thank you. Thank you, dear. I love you. I... I, I Man, she is slamming a lot of doors these days. Did you um, did you have anything you wanted to announce while we were announcing things? I do. I have a super duper exciting announcement to make. Um, Planet X Cinema has uh, been underground for a few months as we work on some exciting new developments. Uh, chief among them, this podcast. Like, 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 share, subscribe, rate, whatever it is you do, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Um, but we are moving venues, so uh, we have we have some really cool stuff to announce. Uh, we have chosen a new venue. We have a new partner. That partner is Kunstler Brewing. Uh, they're a Bavarian German craft brewery in San Antonio, Texas, uh, down in Southtown. Um, so we have an agreement with them. Uh, we will be showing there every. Oh, I love saying this every final Friday. Final. <laughs> So the last Friday of every month, uh, we will be at Kunstler Brewing uh, showing our movies. It's nice to have a home. It's We've been wandering around for, for six months for or so. <laughs> for so long. We've been, doing, we've been doing a lot of pop-up cinema uh, for the last few months, which, which has been fun. We, that's been fun, too. But it's nice to have a home. Uh, it's nice to have uh, a partner uh, for our endeavors. So uh, check them out. Kunstler, it's K-U-E-N. T-S-L-E-R. There's actually an umlaut over the U, which I really enjoy. Uh, so they're going to be brewing custom beers for some of the screenings, uh, and we will be there for the for, uh, foreseeable future. Uh, all of this kicks off the, the Planet X relaunch, the announcement of our podcast to the world, the uh, screenings that start at Kunstler Brewery. All of that happens Friday, October 26th. So at the end, the final Friday of October. Uh, we will be at Kunstler Brewing, and we're really excited to show you a Halloween double feature, continuing the tradition. Uh, we will be showing the 80s remakes of both The Blob and Invaders from Mars. And what like, what better way to kick, kick off the relaunch of Planet X than by the Halloween double feature, our favorite Planet X event, of the since we started the the Halloween double feature, I think has been the most fun. All I wanted to say was that there's going to be a lot more 
details forthcoming. So just keep your eyes on the website or listen to the podcast. Check our Facebook group. All the details will be there. There's always going to be a Facebook event page for a Planet X screening. So we will keep you up to date. But we couldn't keep we couldn't keep the lid on that much good news uh, before we got back into the pod. And and the super good news is nothing is changing from the format. Uh, Blair and I will be hosting. Uh, we're going to be doing the pre-show and all the normal stuff that you've grown accustomed to. Um, the the screenings are still free. That is always our commitment that this stays a completely free event. If you don't have a like our our agreement from the beginning has been if you don't have a dollar in your pocket, you and your date can come to Planet X. You can watch a shitty movie with me and my brother, and uh, you can have a good time. So that's that's really what it's all about. So Kunstler Brewing in San Antonio, Texas. It's in Southtown. It's on La Chapelle. It doesn't matter. You'll find it. Um, we're super duper excited. I'm really stoked. I finally get to show the 80s remake of The Blob. I'm oh. dub- doubly stoked I get to show the 80s remake of Invader from Mars. Um, or Invaders from Mars. So we hope you'll, you'll, we hope you'll make it down on October 26th. But um, Nancy's, we talked about a lot of stuff. We didn't yet talk about this week's movie and uh i guess we are coming off of crypt crushers and i have to um i have to thank you blair because your casting in that movie not only was spot on beautiful oh well you you brought brand Branscom, uh, I, th- I think i shoehorned Branscom <laughs> into that movie uh to be listen, fair, listen, listen, say, we said his last name is Richard for that whole podcast. No, we said Richmond, didn't we? Oh, oh shit, no. I'm sorry. Branscombe Richmond, hey, he's still, he's still with us, right? I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure he'd make like a, an Oscars people we lost list. He should if he died, but... Uh, here, okay, I'm saying it here. Fan ban of the show, Branscombe <laughs> Richmond. Uh, sorry if we got your name wrong. Um, but no, what I was going to say is, uh, so I, uh, I thank you so much for casting Alejandro Escobedo. Uh, as you oh, know, of course, I'm, of course, at, yeah. At, well, as you know, I am getting married in uh, just over a week to my fiance. And, and uh, we're doing our wedding a little different. We're just doing like a garden party. We're basically just doing the reception part of a wedding and we didn't want to hire a dj or anything so uh we're we're just we set up some spotify playlists and uh i i I, uh i twisted your arm into running the pa uh yeah yeah so you have a big job which is doing the sound at our wedding but uh so so what we did we didn't want to hire a dj so we we put together uh some playlists uh by era so like there's like pre-war jazz and there's like some doo-wop stuff and whatever and that way we can just like fire and forget but the last playlist is kind of like 90s like it's a lot of like indie rock and stuff we like stuff we grew up with like sebado and super chunk and whatever fuck me man i had to put alejandro escovedo's castanets on that playlist oh it's like no it's a great he has so many uh, it, you, excuse me while I break my own heart tonight and uh I was drunk and he's got oh, so many good songs. I was drunk is one of my all time yeah favorites. if you if you hear the line I like her rattle as she walks away and like 
and you don't get pumped up, like fucking check your pulse. That dude fucking rocks. Like, and, and, and I, he wouldn't be on my wedding playlist if it was not for Crypt Crushers, a movie that, and I feel like this is becoming a catchphrase for our podcast. I am disappointed that we created it because I can't watch it. Well, I, if it, if it, uh, me too. I mean, that's like, that's every week so far. I will say if you, if you want more Alejandro Escovedo and you want to know why I thought he would be good in that movie at that time is he didn't put out a solo record until the early nineties. I want to say 92, but we cast that movie late eighties and he was in a couple of like really cool alternative roots rock country bands um true believers was my favorite he was also in a band called um rank rank and file and that music i think if you listen to it you go like oh that's what i want that band playing in that movie it's just straight up like because he came out of the punk scene and then started making this crazy roots rock and then by the time his solo career started in the 90s you know he was a but he's collaborated with anybody i mean he's collaborated with sonic youth i mean he's done everything he's the coolest well, it's, it's funny because we spent a lot of time talking about like, oh, Susanna Hoffs is, Hoffs is going to be the get. Like, she's going to be the one that legitimizes this film. And I think for the time we talked about, that's absolutely right. But yeah. I think if we were talking about Crypt Crushers today, we'd be like, can you believe Alejandro Escobedo's in that film? Like, I was just like, if Susanna Hoffs would be buried in the, in the Alejandro Escobedo noise we would be making right now. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, and you can imagine he'd be great in one of those roles where you give a musician who has a great persona, like, a few lines, but he's kind of, he's the he's the coolest one, you know? It's like, like that. It, yeah, it's like that second season episode of The X-Files that Jack Black is in, where, like, oh, yeah. he's, like, he's clearly a standout. Like, he's way better than everyone else in the episode. You're like, who is this young upstart? Like, now it's fucking cool as hell that, uh, that Jack Black was in the X-Files. But yeah. we, are, we are not here to talk about uh, 90s television or uh, great rock and roll artists from San Antonio. We are here to invent new movies. And uh, Crip Crushers was my suggestion, which means this week it is your turn, Blair. Blair, my brother, do you have a movie title for us this week? I I do, and I'm conflicted. I'm so conflicted. Um, I have one that I feel like, for us, not for normal people, would be a softball pitch. And then I have, <laughs> I have one that's so off the wall that I want to see if we can pull it out. But I feel like we've recorded a lot. I'm going to go with... Again, this is going to take some work, but I think the safer choice, I'm going to save the other one. This uh, title comes to us from Josh Labrie. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you, Josh. And the name of this week's film is Employees Must Wash Hands. <sighs> Employees Must Wash Hands. And this is the one you thought was easy? Yeah, I'll give you the hard one if you want it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow, I just... Oh, now I'm curious for whatever that hard one was. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Employees must wash hands. Yeah, the reason I think that it's easy is that what we can do is lay out several different options and mm -hmm. then say, that's the one we're going to go with. Because the phrase does suggest it's, it's broad enough that 
well, I can think of a horror movie, employees must watch hands, or I can think of a, an action movie, or I can think of a comedy, or it, it can be any yeah. of those. It, it's broad. The first place my mind went was uh, the um, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, like, Minute Work. Like, is oh, it, yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it like, yeah, is it like a blue collar, like, uh, almost like Serving or one of those movies about, like, waitstaff? Right. Because because what we're talking about, like, right. OK, to, to, to do the thing we've done, like, let's just look at what's on the surface. This is the sign that hangs in the bathroom of restaurants and bars that says employees must wash hands before returning to work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you do you do like a I mean, is, I, I, I guess it's set in a restaurant. Right. Or the restaurant is the locus of the film. Right. The first thing that jumped into my mind was uh, a movie centered around employees in a restaurant and one of them is uh, uh, killing them or they all get trapped and they find out one of them's a killer and it turns into a horror movie and then you mm. know th the whole joke is employees must wash hands before returning but returning to work is like a safety yeah in a, re in a in a restaurant and then and then you have this just very bloody gore fest in a restaurant but that's that's as far as so, i initially thought we need to we need to come up with a good word for these kinds of films because you're absolutely right there there is an easy pitch here which is it's uh peter jackson's dead alive slash Bray dead 13 right uh, it's set in a restaurant. It's about a bunch of restaurant employees and there's a zombie outbreak and they figure out it has something to do with sanitation because they were dumping bad shit down the drain and then they have to use kitchen implements to kill each other and then it ends with the guy and the girl in the parking lot as the restaurant burns and they're like, oh, I guess we should have washed our hands or fucking whatever. I don't want to do that. No, like, no, no, no. Like that's already done. Like I already watched that movie. Okay, are you are you feeling anything in terms of like like do you want to go down the horror route? We haven't done a straight horror movie yet. I'd like to do the horror route. Do you think we could pull a horror comedy out of this? Because it's kind of oh like sure yeah no I mean the title's jovial, super irreverent. It's a jovial title, yeah. So we could actually kind of combine the two things we talked about, which is sort of like um, uh, the serving type movie, but let's just make it a, a, a let's let's somehow make it a gore fest. I don't know if we're going to go supernatural or serial killer, but I like combining those two, you know? Yeah. I don't want to do a zombie movie here. Here's what I'm thinking. No, what no, if, no, no, what no. if, okay. So you're familiar with the concept of a bottle episode? Yeah, absolutely. Great. So for the uninitiated, a bottle episode is an episode of a television show where the characters are caught inside of one location. And so it cuts down on cost and it's also a lot of times combined with a flashback episode, right? So the idea is the characters are all stuck in one location and like Twilight Zone did this like all the time. Like uh, it would be like, it's a diner and there was a bar or there was a, a bus that crashed nearby and now somebody in the room is an alien and we're gonna spend 50 minutes finding out who that is. So what I'm proposing is, yes, what if it's a post-apocalyptic movie? What if it is a zombie movie or a horror movie or a slasher movie or a killer movie? It doesn't matter. But the whole movie takes place inside of this restaurant. And so oh, we I have... Know. I love that. I love right. that. I especially like this if there is some disaster happening outside of the restaurant that we never see, right? Like there was an earthquake or a tidal wave or a zombie apocalypse. It doesn't matter. I don't want to do the zombie thing, but whatever. 
Ooh, so, I'm getting a real good. I'm getting a real good vibe from maybe like um, like disease. Well, oh, that's interesting. I oh, was, okay. Don't let me stop you. Go, go, go. No, no, that's really interesting. What I was going to say was I was thinking like the killer is a, like almost do a goofball version of the thing in a oh, restaurant. I love this. So what what you would have is the TVs in the restaurant or the radio, yes. or however you want to do it, is streaming something about you know, a spaceship crash or there's been a... a or a comet, a comet or an asteroid. A comet, there, that's, let's do that's way better. But but what we'll do is we'll do a goofball thing yep. in the restaurant. Like, and, and it does, we'll, let, we'll be careful as we go along to sort of differentiate it from the thing or to like straight up pay homage to the thing because sometimes those movies work best when they're a little heavy handed. Well, what, yeah, what I like about this, okay, I, I want equal parts The Thing, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and I'm going to come up with the third one. I haven't settled on what the comedy angle is, but what, what I mean is when you watch the, like, most people think about the original Night of the Living Dead is like, oh, that's where zombies started. But what's really cool about Night of the Living Dead is, like, characters are introduced halfway through the movie. Like, it's really fun. Like, they're just like, oh, there's a family in the basement. Like, now they're part of the story. So I love this idea that it's like, it's closing time. It's a restaurant staff. The last few customers are still like, they're paying their bills. Something breaks bad and somebody breaks into the restaurant and they have to like start boarding up some doors. And like now they're stuck because they don't really know what's happening in the outside world. And so we have like, this is good too, because it sets up factions. So we have the outside faction, the people that are not restaurant customers who are, who are trying to get in or getting in or whatever. We have the customers at the restaurant who probably just want to get home. And then we have the restaurant workers, which inside of which we have the faction of like managers, servers, whatever. I don't know what we do with any of that, but I don't know. Do you have anything? Yeah, I think I really like the what you're doing, though, because basically we're doing a set piece. It's actually like, you know, the third thing could be clerks, honestly. Clerks. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yes. That's, I mean, really, that's what you're talking about is just sort of like workplace comedy doesn't really leave the workplace, but you do as much as you possibly can mm-hmm. in one spot mm-hmm. with lots of dialogue. So, like, I like that. And the other idea that approached me is that if we're going to do the alien thing, like, maybe, maybe your opening credits are sort of like them setting up for the day, them working throughout the day. So you kind of get a feeling of who the restaurant workers are and that establishes people pretty quickly. But that way, if we wanted to do something like the thing where there's an alien presence in the restaurant, then what you could do is you could have a shot where they're loading the deep freeze or they're bringing in the produce or there's a delivery truck like there's very easy ways to get something in the restaurant without without going through a ton of backstory there's a whole lot of Chekhov's katana we can do that's this this Chekhov's katana is going to be slicing up the first 15 minutes of this film yeah i mean you have like you have knives you have a what do you have you have like a deep freeze right like a walk-in freezer you have you have the bar which is full of booze uh you've got the parking lot which is full of cars um you can even set up like uh maybe maybe the employees know how to get on the roof and that's where they like smoke cigarettes and like fucking like talk about their deep it's very clerks right like that's where they go 
but also Tremors, right? Like, they're oh, up on... That's it. Okay, that's the movie I was searching for. This is Tremors. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Seriously. You can't go wrong with Tremors, you know? It's... No, no, it has to be. But what I like about Tremors is it's like it's equal parts like real down-home people and monsters and comedy. Like, it, it, it perfectly balances those three things. So I think what we're doing is that. I... Okay, on the here's what I want to go back to on the comet strike thing. How do you feel about okay, a comet strike and it's radioactive zombies or something? B, it's the government and it's like a disease, and then and then we have to in the third act bring in like special forces soldiers and machine guns and stuff. Uh, is it or have an employee that's a plant? Yeah, right. Like, do we do we put like a spy games kind of thing on it, or a or a customer even that's a plant and it's some sort of sick government game? And yeah, like, is the is the food in town or is the water supply the thing that's transporting the thing? And so, like, the restaurant is like, I don't know, whatever. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing: like, zombies feel tired. Yes, the comet thing feels like hand wavy. The virus thing feels tired is there when we show movies at planet x we always look for movies that tried to do something really different and maybe they didn't succeed at it is there like is there something we could do that feels a little new that feels a little different i know that we have already done uh a movie with and I can't believe how many... Actually, I can't believe how many times I said it in the episode. The actual fucking devil. Um, <laughs> how great thou art. <laughs> I'm so mad that movie doesn't exist. But I'm bummed. Um, but there could be the thing where... You know, we've, we've done... We've hit on... We did a devil movie with no possession. And then we did a mummy movie with thralls mm -hmm. is there any way we could work i'm just spitballing here i like where we're going i think that there's just a crucial element that we're trying to lock down um i'm thinking thralls uh, i like the idea of somebody in there being a panic outside the restaurant and then somebody inside the restaurant becoming the villain but maybe maybe that's no good you tell me i'm kind of if, okay, i'm wondering what if we did something like uh, more Lovecraftian, like arcane kind of horror, where every hundred years or every thousand years there's an eclipse or there's a certain arrangement of the stars. And at that time, these evil things happen on Earth. So our opening scene becomes like a la Monster Squad, like 500 years ago, uh, these beings from this other world, like, Oh, oh, this is it. Oh, no, this fucking works. Okay, so these beings from another world, like, invade us, right? And it's it's this time of year, it's a time in the cycle of Earth when our realm and their realm overlap. And so I these, like... It. I love these, where you're going. This is yeah. so great. So it's like a demonic invasion movie where, like, it's not aliens invading, it's actually, like, extra-dimensional demonic entities are able to like skin walk in our world 
And it's like people, if the event horizon attacked Earth. Yeah. Okay. Event. Yeah. Okay. Event horizon is a great starting point. Like, okay. What if? What if the thing on the news was not a comet strike? It was like, wow, astronomical event. It only happens once every five hundred years. Like, get outside or you're gonna miss it. Like the Love sun. It. The sun turns into blood, and like all the employees are like, oh, we have to work these shitty jobs. And I can't believe we have to work on blood sky <laughs> night. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. Well, I feel like we're getting a little far away from the title, so we got to bring it back to employees must wash hands. But but I think this is really exciting. I like this movie where okay, the the stars are the stars are right, the stars have aligned, and these these invaders are coming into our world, and they have to have now. Here's our checklist, right? They have to have like telltale signs. There has to be a way to like test them or locate them, all of the thing. And then it has to be about this restaurant becoming a fortress to defend against extra dimensional invaders. This is so late 90s, it's sickening. I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same. Yeah, this is 1999's Employees Must Wash Hands. Abs- uh, this is totally in Cannot the be after 2005, cannot be for 1997. Absolutely does not work. We're, we have a lot of, you know, there, we, there's a lot of synergy here because we're very good at our job. <laughs> you know, this is why... Okay, so, so here's... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to make a, you know, an ironic comment about them paying us the big bucks for this. Okay, so here's... I, 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 so I, I, I do, I really, really like this a lot, and I like the idea that it's still a work plays comedy like i love the idea of taking all of these things like even like empire records or something and being like oh by the way there is an unspeakable evil that drives all men mad that is going to be in this you know single spot so this is great i like where this is going a lot you know what it is it's it's empire records plus evil dead 2 that's there you and and I, I want to stress this because you you did bring it up briefly. I think the reason I picked this as the easy movie title out of the suggestions I had was yeah. not because it's an easy title, but because you don't have to worry about the title. Uh, you can call the movie Employees Must Wash Hands, and as long as it's a weird movie that takes place in a restaurant, you're fine. So, you know, don't worry about it. Okay. Yes. But here's what I think we should do. Because I, I feel like I've been pushing hard the horror thing, and I haven't been concentrating enough on the comedy thing. So, so here, here's what I think happens. Every 500 years, the stars align. And these, this other world sends... Uh, it, it crosses over, Venn diagram style, and their people uh, come over to our side. And... We call them, ooh, they need a name like the Others or the Deadites or whatever. We'll come up with travelers. it. It doesn't matter. Ooh, the Travelers. I like that. Okay. Oh, oh, that's great because that means that this restaurant is in a small town near a major highway, which is used to like truckers and all kinds of people coming through. Great. It's that that hand wipes. Yeah, it's like it's, a waffle house, yeah. It's a waffle house. Fuck it. It's a 24-hour breakfast place. That hand waves so much stuff we don't have to deal with. Also, that gives us access to waffle irons, and I'm going to bring that back <laughs> somewhere in the third act of this. We're going to get there. Here's what I'm thinking, though. Here is my nugget. They are like the deadites in the sense that 
they show up and they're like, we want your body. We want your world. We're taking over. They can projectile vomit black goo that if it stays on you long enough, they can take over your body. And this is the critical point where they realize like, like somebody like one of them, like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of the patrons, right? Oh, they gotta wash their hands all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, one of the patrons is like, hey, I'm a truck. I'm, I'm going to bring truckers back into this. He's like, I got to get back on the road, like whatever. And they're like, dude, you can't leave. There's a disaster out there. And he's like, well, fuck you, man. And then he starts like transforming and freaking out. And he vomits on one of the employees. But then they like fall into the dish, the dishwashing with all the, with all the dishes, right? Like so they get like dish soap all over him. And they stand up and they're like, well, I didn't turn. Oh, well, we have to set up, like, okay, whatever. One time somebody pukes and they turn, whatever. And then they figure out, like, okay, if we can wash ourselves clean of the goo that they project, and then, then we're fine. That's where we get the title. Also, I want to, like, let's take this thing to 11. I think they can shoot this goo out of all of their orifices. They can shoot it out of their pores. They can vomit it. They can sneeze it. They can shit it. Like, this goo is what turns you into one of them. All right, so... I really like this. I think we're starting to roll. Yep. Two things. Uh, the first one is really quick, just an observation. I think the last movie that really did this well was Grabbers, and I don't think that Grabbers gets enough love in terms of being everyone stuck in one place. Oh, we all have to do this thing to keep the aliens away, and it's it's great because they have to be drunk. And Grabbers is fucking incredible if you're listening to this and you haven't seen grabbers like do yourself a favor i think it's on netflix so by all means i hope so it's a great film i think it is but um oh crap what was my other point i got so excited with all of this blood spewing alien alien transformation well you got Uh, you got pretty excited about like washing hands was that it? I, did. I got excited about a lot of things. I do remember one thing that I was excited about, which was that I want the transformation to do, I want them to do a specific thing that happens all the times in, in horror movies. I'm going to do it, and you're going to watch me do it, and then I want you to describe it because I don't know how to do it, okay? Okay, Planet X so. Faithful, listen up. I'm looking at Blair. He's doing a monster transformation. You ready? Um, yep, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> He has, okay, he has he's raised his arms up. His elbows are turned at 90 degrees. He is headbanging in the worst way possible. He is chasming in every possible direction with his head, although his torso is not moving terribly. Ow, oh God, that hurt. Jesus Christ. Shout out to all those uh, stunt actors and character actors in Hollywood who have to do that for a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> that looked exhausting. Muscle, but you know that, spa- <laughs> that spastic... Um, okay, I like that. I want to add to that that they get like uh, like black spots all over their skin that are full of oh, the yeah. goo. Like blackheads. Like zits that are full of this goo that yeah. if you get it on you and you don't wash your hands 28 days later style, you turn into one of them. It's like the plague or something. I like that. Googles yeah. all over you and just... Well, okay, so so that's their thing. Right? Okay, well, now we're skipping to the fourth act but like, or the third act, but like uh that's their thing right i think they're not human they're actually a sentient black goo and uh they take over our bodies so if you find a person who starts doing the freak out and spraying goo out of them the goo is actually the alien 
And now that gives us like a thing angle where they can like test for that. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I remembered the thing I was excited about and it is so fucking goofy. If we're going to crank this to 11, you said every 500 years. If this movie was set in 1992, 500 years before would be 1492. Holy shit. (laughs) Travelers came over with Columbus. It's the disease that wiped out the people of the Caribbean. And it's space smallpox. That's exactly what it is. It's space smallpox. Oh, no. Can we do this? I don't think we can, but that's such a Planet X movie idea where it's like so many years ago, these people did this and they really blew it, you know? And yeah, so, yeah. No, I don't think we can do it because I think it's too too complicated, but I was just thinking of a really... Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. So I think, no, fuck it. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> so I think, yeah, like 1492, Columbus was actually an extra-dimensional alien. He did not show up on the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Like, he was legitimately, like, okay, while crossing the ocean, his entire crew was taken over by the travelers. And when they arrived in America, they exploded with black goo and murdered a bunch of people. It make, That's kind of nice, too, because then in, instead of it's just European spread disease, it's like, no, aliens killed No, aliens. it was aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was malicious aliens. Um, so then that, we, cut, we cut to the present day. We've got a restaurant. Again, we've got the news commentary that this, like, solar event is happening. Things start to break down. We've got, like, a weird customer that comes in covered in boils. He pops everywhere. That's where we get our first kill which I'm going to say is the shitty manager, we right? Need some, we need a couple of characters to start. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think what we need is, like, we need a shithead manager who's the okay. first to die. I think he's the one that's like, sir, you need to leave when the, when the first dude, like, comes in. That dude yeah. pops all over the restaurant. They don't wash him in time, obviously, and he ends up uh, becoming a, a problem that they have to deal with in the first act. That's the... Uh, inciting action, right? So after they kill their own manager, well, okay, we got to spend part of the first act setting up that he's a shithead, right? So we'll, well, we'll spend get, some time. Let's get some characters. Yeah, we'll spend some time on that, whatever. He's the first to convert, and then we get that nice, satisfying moment where our protagonist kills the manager that was like a shithead to him in the first act. Sure. And that kicks off the second act, which is, wow, the manager's dead. Something crazy is going on out in the world. I like the idea of having like a too cool for school because especially because it's the 90s kind of like Jennifer Aniston in office space kind of does not need nor desire the maybe needs the job but does not want this job at all. Here's, okay, if this movie was actually made in 1999, it would be about a uh, like reasonably attractive, charming dude who worked with a lady that he really liked. Yeah, and and the horror story would be would end with them getting together and proving that he was actually cool. And if it's ninety nine, do you still want to do the Columbus thing and just say the movie's set in nineteen ninety two, or what do you want to? Or do you let the Columbus thing is a stretch, man? No, no, I fucking love it. That's in. That's in. We'll make the math work on the back end. Like I don't care how that okay. works. But here's All what right, I'm thinking: great. What if our protagonist is? 
a oh okay okay what if what if our protagonist is like a badass rockabilly woman i like, like that tatted That's- up has the like the high the high haircut like the flannel everything right and the and the whole joke is there's some ineffectual coworker that's constantly trying to get with her. And this is not the story of how that ineffectual coworker gets with her. It's how she tells him to like back the fuck off, like, or nut up. Like, <laughs> like, well, I like a, uh, I like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like I like a punk rock or rockabilly gal taking the lead in this movie and it not being a love story explicitly. I like it. in the, I, I think we have to have a short order cook. Of course, of course. No, I we need like, we need a Maison Place guy. We need a dishwasher, yeah. right? So shitty manager, rockabilly lady, ineffectual co-worker, short order cook. We really don't want more than four or five as the main cast. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot to keep track of in a small space. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the ineffectual co-worker can be the chef. Like, I think that oh, can be, oh, like... Oh, yeah, no, that's good. Like, let's combo those, right? Like, let's do, like, the cook has an ego. Like, we could even play that up in a couple scenes. Like, he thinks he's, like, a gourmet chef, but he works in what is it, what is essentially, like, a Chili's. He also thinks he's a real Lothario, and he's not... Exactly, and it gives it gives our protagonist that excuse to be, like, man, this guy's a chump, right? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, I just, I like the, I, I want to take Barbara from Night of the Living Dead 68 yeah, and, and flip that on its head where, like, we have a female protagonist, but at the end, like, she doesn't need a man, like, she doesn't need any of that shit, like. You know what would be, not, like, because I like that the movie leans so hard on that is that we did talk about customers also being trapped in there, mm-hmm, so you should mm-hmm. have a lovey-dovey couple. It works. It works. Oh yeah, totally. It works. It works in a lot in a lot of movies. Even even funny movies like Maximum Overdrive has the lovey dovey just got married couple, and it's it's really funny. Okay, so in addition to the lovey dovey couple, I think we need the asshole customer who I think is like a businessman. Maybe he's a traveling businessman. I'm not really sure, but he's the kind of character who like uh, he's like, we gotta get out of here. You're full of shit, protagonist. Like. Uh, fuck this whole scene, and uh, and then I don't know. They like they they they, they like in the thing. They think he's one of the aliens, but then it ends up being he's just an asshole. He's not gonna make it through the film. No, he certainly dies. No way. No, no way he lives. They, I, they put him in the deep freeze and forget about him or something. <laughs> yes, I love I love this. Yes, at some point he's being a jerk, and they're like, ah, just put him in the deep freeze, and they're like. Oh, uh, yeah, that guy totally wasn't an alien. Look, oh, well. you need to cool off. You need to cool off. Yeah, right. Like, you need to cool off. Yeah. They show him in the They forget about him. Moment. And then they, yeah, like post-credits, we see his, like, frozen-ass body. Yeah, or even, like, uh, because it's such a dark, weird comedy, be like, you need to cool off, and then later on, they have a reason to open the deep freeze, and they're like, Oh, shit. I mean, I don't know how long it takes a guy to freeze to death, but in a deep freeze, it can't be that long. I used to work in a, in a restaurant, and they were like, do not lock that door. Actually, I'm going to Google how long it takes to die in a deep freeze. We have extra-dimensional invaders. They are essentially a symbiotic black goo substance that can take over people. They 
vomit this black goo on oh man are we going in an evolution route there's a bit of evolution here and well, also I'm, you can die really quickly in a freezer just wanted to let you know <laughs> great so what i was thinking was like well if if scrubbing bubbles is what kills the enemy the extra dimensional invader do we end up with like a super soaker full of shampoo that these guys are like spraying on enemies to keep the the extra dimensional guys at bay like do we go because in because in uh in, in evolution it was like it was like dish soap right so shampoo uh, conditioner right okay conditioner right so like do we end up in a situation where like well the the hand soap seems to kill them so they're going in the back to like the five gallon drums of hand soap and they're loading them up in super soakers or spray bottles or something or you fucking like both. ketchup ketchup bottles and that's what they're using to like keep these gonna, things at bay i was gonna say you and i have both worked in restaurants can you think of anything you can load liquid in and then just spray people with it i'm trying to oh you know what they might ha- I, I i tell you what uh would be a really fun uh thing is if um in the storage room they have a couple of insecticide sprayers yeah that's good i like that yeah yeah there's and they go get those out and they dump dump the pesticide out you know the roach killer or whatever and then they Mm -hmm. load those up with with dish soap and and spray down the are they the aliens are gonna bust in at some point or yeah so so i was just thinking i'm glad you brought that up i was just thinking about that which is there has to be some reason that they have to evacuate the restaurant. There has to be something that pushes them over the edge because otherwise they're just going to board up the restaurant and wait out the apocalypse, right? Like that's what, that's what a rational person would do. So there has to be some reason at the end, they're like, we've got to bust out. I think that what we should do is let's not look at it as a bottle episode so much as it is kind of like i'm sure there's a name for this but what i would call like it's kind of like a set piece comedy where almost all of the main action like revolves around one location but Mm. in our third act we're gonna leave so that lets in the first act it lets us show a little bit of stuff outside the the bulk of the movie they're going to be in there but i think the very end the climactic scene they're gonna have to leave and i think that's probably because i don't know it either things bust in or they need to bust out. It's got to be one okay. or two. So what, what we've got to do is we have to tie the reason that these invasions have failed previously. Like every 500 years, these happen or whatever, right? 510 years so that the Columbus thing works. They, they happen and there's a place or a thing that the, the quote unquote hero goes to and initiates the thing that closes the gates between the world so they figure out that they've got to like at some point they unless that thing is on top of or underneath the restaurant the restaurant is on top of the thing that they've got to get to right because because it has to be like all great shitty horror movies it and especially horror comedies everything has to tie together so the 500 year cycle of destruction the extra dimensionality the rockabilly protagonist the fact that they work in a restaurant all of that has to dovetail into a single solution 
yeah, I, I agree with you. The first act can take a, take, can take place a little bit outside the restaurant. The second act, we're principally concerned with the restaurant. At the point of no return, we've got to get the characters out of the restaurant into a third site where they're going to seal the gate. They're going to close the door. They're going to... No, I, I think you've got it. I think what we're going to have is our setup scene, whether it's Christopher Columbus or I, I kind of like Ponce de Leon because he's the guy that discovered Florida for the Spanish, so it could take place in Florida. Right and uh, so that's that's a thing. But but regardless, our conquistador setup, that's, that's your pre-credits thing, right? And then credits roll, and we're... We're doing people arriving at work, um, customers in and out, show little shots of main characters, kind of pick up hints of their character. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, there's stuff on the radio, there's stuff on the TV. And that's going to be like a, like a mini first act. And I think, I think the movie's going to be fat in the middle because I think the, the bulk of it will take place in the restaurant and then... We have to have this event that either forces them up to the roof or out. Oh, boy. It's, this is so close. We have two or three threads that we're trying to get together here, which is why do they initially start taking action? And then what is the event that forces them to leave the restaurant? That's what we're kind of looking at. I don't think the problem is the initial threat. I think we solved that with the TV broadcast that the astrological event is happening. And then we have some weird stuff start happening in the cafe. Then we have Actually, the whole, we, the whole second act is like the thing. I think what we need to focus on is in the third act, how do they find out the MacGuffin? What's the place or the thing they need to go to? I think, I think that we actually have the, even the scene for the initial threat is that the, asshole businessman is out of control you need to cool out throw him in the deep freeze and when they get back to the counter or whatever that's when the first that's when the first person goes nuts so that's your which which has to be oh my god no it's not they're a couple they're on like a first date oh johnny and Susie and yeah so it's like they like they're like yeah like reports reports are breaking out of people acting crazy and they're like, oh, this business guy's acting crazy. Like, you must be infected with whatever the fucking thing is. They lock him in the cooler, and then you find out, no, it's Johnny's date. She's actually the psychopath. Let's, let's make her, yeah, hers, the, she's the psychopath. Right, because then we end up with Johnny for the rest of the film as like this doesn't trust anybody. Like, oh, that's real good. Okay, no, I like that a lot. And then he can die later and say, like, worst first date ever. Or he can stay alive to the end and become the love interest. That's kind of fun. What if he was, like, a super romantic? Like, like he was, like, a romantic. Like, you, what, what if he's, like, a genuinely good guy? Yeah, that's and, what I'm thinking, right? And he's also, like, high school football player type, so it's fun to get him and the punk oh. rock together. Okay, yeah, like, no, I didn't I didn't think about that, but that's that works really well. Yeah, he's like the popular guy who's out on another date, which he does all the time. You know, it's it works in everything from the breakfast club to, you know, any any kind of odd couple romance, you know, where you put yeah, the no. weirdo together. That's kind of fun. But, but I, I like the reversal where she's the badass and yeah. the jock is like he's a mathlete. Like he, Yeah, 
Yeah, like I like that a lot. Like he's going out with these like popular pretty girls who don't really get him, and then the one that does get him is like badass rockabilly supernatural warrior. That feels great. Like that. That that looks awesome. That totally plays. That also makes him the smart guy, which means all of our fake science he can figure out. Yeah, like yeah. Any anytime it comes to science, he's the one who's like, "Well, I think this is what's going on." Like, yeah, okay, perfect, perfect. So, okay, so this is good. This is going to help us push forward. I think really we, we're looking for a MacGuffin, and what you're really, what we're really turning it into is a funny dark survival film. Yeah, so, totally, totally. That's I, what we're going I for. Think something bad is happening. One guy goes nuts. They throw him in the freezer. Then somebody really goes crazy, and they 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 deal with that. And we can talk about how they do that. But but at that point, they board up the restaurant. So you have the board up the restaurant scene, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're just going to hunker down. This is our first survival for strategy." Yep. And then we can play around with that things breaking in or something in that's already been brought in influencing people so that's really fun then there i would rather there be like a a crazy conflict inside with something getting possessed and then they have to break out i think that's more fun than a MacGuffin. i think every 510 years or whatever it is the invaders come from the other world and their goal is to get a thing and take it to another place. So, like, get a jewel and take it to another place to perform a ritual. This restaurant, this Chili's-esque restaurant with its delicious Southwest egg rolls, has been founded on top of that thing. So the, the invaders are trying to get... And it's called... It has to be called something like... Uh, it has to be called, like, Jewels. Jewels Place. Or something like that. And somewhere in the basement of this restaurant is a glowing purple jewel that all of the invaders are trying to get. And if they get it and they take it to the top of local Lookout Mountain, then that's it. That's the end of the world. So they figure out that all the invaders, traveler people, are trying to get to the jewel. So our scrappy protagonist waitress and the the beautiful football boy from the couple take the jewel and they're like fuck this let's go to the mountain that's where these guys are gathered so they like or are the aliens get it or the invaders get it and they take it up there i don't know fucking whatever but there has to be like there has to be a reason that the monsters are attacking the restaurant and then I like the idea that they're like, fuck this, let's go to the place where they're trying to take this, and they force the final shutdown. Or showdown. Okay. I, I've, I've got helpful stuff here. Um, you, I like this. It really got my imagination going. And I was trying to remember things I knew about Florida from having an inordinate amount of friends from Florida. Um, so I was thinking about St. Augustine, super, super old city. I was looking up just... Trying, trying to get us something we could work with. But I forgot. Um, so St. Augustine was invaded by pirates, like seriously invaded by pirates. Okay. So our first scene could be like, we set the movie in like, you know, in Florida. It doesn't have anywhere specific in Florida, but whatever it is, is let's, let's have a pirate captain be possessed by an alien. Or something. Oh, that's, yeah, that's way better than Columbus. Well done. Yeah, yeah let's do this. 
um, or or his crew is being that's what it is his crew is being overtaken by these alien forces and he has you see the ships burning and everything and he's trying to get off he swims to shore he's got the one thing that the aliens are after here's your MacGuffin because it's the one power on earth that can destroy him he buries it and then you do one of those hilarious scenes that kind of like goes up through the dirt and then it's like 400 years later and it's a Waffle House, you know? So let's, and then it can have a name. It oh, be, okay, wait, wait, wait. What if, what if the thing that destroys them isn't like a jewel? What if it's a weapon of some kind? Like what if it's a thing that our rockabilly protagonist can wield? You mean so like... It's in, like a traditional weapon or like a power projectile or so, a... so okay so here's here's what i'm thinking yeah like the the thing is uh a hammer right and uh she can if she can just get to the hammer, then she can fucking murder these things. Like the rest of the time they're killing them and they turn into goo and they like slither away. But there's one thing that can kill them. Can and we it's, play with can we play with the soap ankle soap angle like it's a little boat anchor anchor and it's like she concentrated soap? I, I mean that's real dumb, but that's kind no, of what I'm You're right though. We gotta get back to the title. We gotta get back to employees must wash hands. So what, what but we're on a we're on a pirate ship now. It could be like a, a pistola. But it it fires concentrated <laughs> cleaning fluid. <laughs> like this movie's gonna be real goofy. Go for goofy. I think go for goofy. I think we're trying to make it too real. I think. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in a direction, and we may cut this out. You have to tell me if I'm totally wrong about this. I will hold your hand and follow you on this journey. Thank you, my brother. I love you. I am all One, right. Our favorite Redwall book is Salamandastrin. That is true. It is a badger stronghold. In Salamandastrin, the lord of the mountain chooses as his weapon, given the choice of all possible weapons, a rope that it has a knot in it. And he beats the shit out of a ferret, I feel like. They're almost always ferrets and weasels. That's all the bad guys in Redwall books. What if, what if the soap is the secret? The, the soap is the thing that kills the monsters. And our gal, our, our hero, our rockabilly princess, figures out that the hand-washing soap in the restaurant is what destroys these monsters. She ties a rope or a towel into a knot, soaks it in the soap, and is fucking whipping it around like a mace. I just, love this. Just I destroying really like alien monsters. I really, really like that. And like now, like she has to like soak all of her clothing. Like she has to like dunk herself in dishwashing fluid. And then she's got like two towels with knots in them that she's wheeling around like nunchuka. Nunchuka. Nun Noon cheeky cheekies. Yes, nobody, exactly. nobody knows how to say it. It's not. It's not. Yeah, right. Like she's wheeling around ropes with knots in them, just fucking murdering these aliens. All right, we're gonna clean up the intro really, 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 really clean. Okay, give it to me. Give I'm it to me. Give it to me. We're gonna clean up. We're gonna clean it up. Um, I, nobody's hiding any. Tr 
treasure here. All we have to do is establish precedent that this has happened before. Uh-huh. So do whatever you want. Like Ponce de Leon, I kind of like the pirate captain thing. It's kind of fun. Pirate ships are fun. They're goofy. They're good. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so let's let's have this at the beginning. Um, a pirate crew overtaking the captain. Um, yep. And the captain fighting him off. And it's just a death scene. So you just, you see what it looks like when people are possessed. Mm -hmm. And he's making a a last stand. And then instead of it being something that happens every few years or something, we, we need to have something that makes this possession activity go dormant. And that's how the movie ends, is they figure out that thing that makes the activity go dormant again and you don't feel like the the movement of the stars is enough like they just have to survive for 24 hours or something like that that could be good that could be the oh that's perfect the pirate captain is fighting them off he's fighting oh he's slashing a sword back and forth he's fighting off this crowd and Uh, there's there's like there's 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 narration over the initial scene like like three months at sea and and for ever since this star went into this location my men have been changing all of this over he's just fighting oh he's fighting them off oh it's just it's just the best fight and 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 then and then he's he's down to it and you can tell they're right on top of him he's on the shore they're huddled all the way around him and then all of a sudden they all just fall over and he looks around and he can't figure out what's going on and then he looks up to the sky and that's when we cut forward he's he's pirate he knows what this what the stars look like and so we use that that narration over that initial pirate escaping from a horde of aliens to establish they changed when the stars changed then you see him die for no reason and then the pirate captain looks to the sky yeah and that's your last that's your that's your last shot before we jump forward so I, i love it i think the pirate captain has to have the MacGuffin that that was used to establish the town that the waffle house is built on and that's the only that's that's the only piece that's missing for me like i think i think i i love like they need 24 hours like they just have to survive this much amount of time but i i really do think it doesn't make sense unless they have 24 hours to get their hands on an object they failed. The pirate captain protected it for 24 hours. I love that story. That works. I think that thing ends up in the town, and that's where they build the Waffle House. So our our protagonists are all witless employees of some shitty Denny's in Florida. Unbeknownst to them, they are actually the protectors of this artifact. And I think the name of the the name of the restaurant has to be related to the name of the artifact. I think what's happened is that we are both starting to dig in our heels on two different ways of doing this movie. Okay. I don't think that's bad. I think we just need to figure out which way we're going to go. Mm-hmm. You're going for the pirate protected this MacGuffin and it's under the restaurant. I, I, I get where you're going. I think it's fine. I just don't see how it works without that, but I, I really want to hear what you have to say. Well, where I'm digging my heels in is the pirate captain survives the 24-hour event. 
the city is named after him. Um, and then when it cuts forward, you know, we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of the town founded by Captain Mc, Captain, Captain, and um, Captain McDermott Freeway. Captain McDermott Freeway, excellent. That's his name. It's non-negotiable. And, um, you know, it just establishes that he fought off, he fought off a mutiny, you know, and, and established a free town or whatever the hell it is. But uh, why, why was he fighting off? That's the thing we've got to answer. Because they're possessed by aliens. Right, He's but why, why were they attacking? Why were they attacking him though? There has to be like he because discovered a treasure that they no, wanted. He's the last one that hasn't been turned into one of them, and he's fending him off. That's what I'm saying. He's got the sword. He's fending him off. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. So your contention is the aliens invade every 510 years or whatever, and. As long as they have to convert 100% of the population. That's what, like, all evil aliens and zombies do. They try to get out of it. Okay, wait. So, so and, and because he was the last person to not be converted, their plan failed. We're going to get in a fight here. No, this what is good. No, no, no. I want, I want this to be a good movie. I like I'm it. Must watch the, 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 this alien spore falls uh -huh. to Earth during a certain uh, stellar event. Yep. All right? Yep. And that event, we're going to really have to, I, I mean, this is just all bogus science, but it only lasts for 24 hours, like an eclipse. It could be an eclipse. I don't care. But, but it lasts for 24 hours. This pirate captain's crew slowly, one by one, infected each other and became aliens. They are trying to infect him just like they've infected everybody else. He jumps over the side of the pirate ship. They jump over. They're chasing him. He's on the beach. He's fending them off. That's when the 24-hour period ends. And all of a sudden, for no reason, these alien thralls just fall over and just turn into black goo. And he looks at the stars. All of this is established in narration. All we're watching at the beginning is them this pirate captain fighting these guys off, jumping overboard, swimming ashore, fighting them to his last breath on the beach, and them turning into goo. And then he looks at the stars. The narration says, I read a month at sea, and then during whatever, Haley's Comet, I don't care, um, or whatever stellar event, like my men started changing, now I'm on the run, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, and I fear I won't survive, whatever. And then at the end of that event he he survives i mean i don't does this not make sense it makes perfect sense but let me put a little spit on this one the thing is i think we need a MacGuffin. i'm gonna dig my heels in what if he came to the new world searching for the golden pyramid a, a, a famed artifact that was worth untold wealth but as he was showing up this uh, astronomical confluence happened and he had to fight off these monsters. So Captain McDermott Freeway fights off the invaders, saves the Golden Pyramid, which he realizes is the thing they were going for the whole time. So he buries it and establishes a new town 
called McDermott, I guess. McDermott, Florida. <laughs> now, we flash forward. McDermottsville. I mean, right, sure. McDermottsville. Don't we be, flash yeah. forward however many years from 1492 to today makes sense. And there is now a Golden Pyramid Waffles. <laughs> or something. I don't know what it's called. It could just be called the Golden Pyramid. It doesn't the matter. Golden, it's called the Golden Pyramid. It's the most famous 24-hour breakfast restaurant in Southern Florida. I'll have the, uh, but, the pyramid but, with a side of pyramid bacon. And, uh, yes. Okay. Okay. The important part is every however many years, the stars align and these invaders from another world come and try to get the Golden Pyramid. It was the thing the pirate captain fought for. It's the theme. It's the thing our protagonists find out is buried deep beneath their shitty Denny's-esque restaurant. And so it becomes about defending the Golden Pyramid. And if they can survive for 24 hours, the stars change and everything goes away. And I think that also gives us, man, that gives us a great, like, denouement where, like, they finally tear the boards off the restaurant and walk outside and their whole town has been decimated. Yeah, no, I like this. I like this. But it's safe because, like, they have the Golden Pyramid, which I feel like has to be something they can hold in one hand. It has to be something they can, like, walk around with. Yeah, you know. And and we can even, oh, my God, no, it's a throwaway line of, like, why do you think there's a pyramid on the dollar bill? Like, it has to be, like, a whole, like, this is what the whole thing is about, man. It's all, yeah, and it's all misdirection, and they, then it's, it's always been, he died searching for, Right. Yep. Golden pyramid, and it's actually this—it's this tiny little like D and D four-sided die. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like that's it. Like yeah, it has to be a thing when they see it. It's like that's it. Like no, I, I, hundred percent. Yep. 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 All right. Um, boy, okay. this is going to be like a three-hour episode. Okay. Um, no, no, this this feels good. I feel like we have a whole plot start to finish. I am lost on casting. Do you want to do this thing in like the late nineties? Do you want to do early two thousands? Do you feel like it's contemporary? Like, what do you? Where's this one at? I really don't know. It almost feels like one of those movies, like a, a Planet X that would be like, you know, straight to video and they just get whoever, you know. Um, but that being said. See, I feel like that's a, that's a slippery slope. If we start allowing ourselves to not cast these things. Oh, no, we're going to cast this. Oh, all right, we're all right. Cast, cast it for me. Let's do it. I'm, I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about, like, I love to show Oblivion, but the only real name names outside of like deep cut character actors are like George Takei doing a cameo, you know, that 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 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, I think we go mid to late '90s feels right, especially for our protagonist, you know. Yep. Um, Gosh, let's see. I'm trying to think of movies from then that maybe I could just snatch somebody out of and go like, they'd be great. Um, I don't know. Like, I felt like a young Olivia Wilde would work for the protagonist, but I she hadn't really started acting yet. I, she hadn't really done anything that I can think of. How old would she have been? She'd be pretty young. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the age works either, but it's the right look. It's it's the right look. I mean, it would. I'm just saying this to have it on record. It would be really fun if Winona Ryder had ever made a movie where she was not helpless and she was actually a badass punk rock 
you know, oh, yeah, dude. Like, you know, like Tank Girl, you know, yeah. that kind of like, but, but somebody like, yeah, that, no, I, I, she, dude, I totally, that and she's not going to, it's unrealistic, but somebody like that, you know, the, I, I totally agree with the sentiment. Like, I, I would love to see Winona Ryder in the late 90s as like a badass heroine. But I also she think the movie so that many good movies around then it's just oh no she's incredible no she's great but I I think the budget for this movie would not allow for the casting of Winona Ryder oh no I don't I don't either especially in fact, off in of fact reality bites and I, here's the thing like I I, I think it's yeah. I think it's unrealistic for us to try and cast this whole film because. We're talking about a low-budget, not super successful, like, late 90s, early 2000s comedy horror. Like, there's no fucking way we would even know the people that would be in that. So, what I want to do is... Well, let's cast... Give me the one... Give me the one get this movie got. That's what I was going to say, the cameo, uh, or the cameo role. And it's... I I think... I think it's the evil businessman that they throw in the freezer. The manager. Oh, oh, oh no, the evil, the evil uh, customer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. I think both. I think actually, I think both. I think both should be low rent gets. Okay. Like, let's get those two dudes. Yep. Because um, you can pull from eighties stuff. Who's who's just washed up enough, or just mid B level enough to have them in that movie. I tell you what, I wouldn't mind having John Lovitz as the manager of that restaurant. Wow, I love John Lovitz. That's so good. I'm a big John Lovitz fan. Fuck, I was going to say Rob Lowe. But no, John Lovitz is way better. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's let's get John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Done, done. Hey, look, you kids. You need to get off your brick. You know, like <laughs> I love it. I love it, and I, okay. I think, I think the customer should be. I mentioned George Takei in Oblivion, like somebody that just has nothing left in their career <laughs> at that point. George Takei has kind right. of come back. Yeah, he had a comeback. He had a comeback. But he's reinvented himself. I mean, yeah, his, yeah, his yeah. Broadway play. He's not really come back as an act as an actor. So it could be somebody that just sort of is is washing out. Ooh, I like the idea of somebody from a TV show, too. Don Johnson or something. <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. Um, oh, uh, let's see. Crap, thought I had something. You got anything going? Nah, man, I think, I think John Lovitz is great. I think, I think that's as far as we need to take the casting on this. I, I don't... I think this is a straight-to-video or extremely limited release oh, late no. 90s late 90s early 2000s horror movie if they could fucking if they could fucking get john lovitz i would i would love this film john lovitz is the get let me tell you who the uh angry is created joe piscopo wow his career was so in the toilet yeah he could no he could totally do it yep Dead Heat, which we love, but is definitely a righteous trash film. Nineteen eighty-eight, Sidekicks, Sidekicks, nineteen ninety-two. Between 
between 95 and 2000, he didn't make any movies at all. His oh, career perfect. was in the absolute shit. Perfect. Like, Joe Piscopo is perfect. And it's a comedy horror film. So we get two comedians, one, uh, uh, like, well, not first generation, but first to second generation SNL alumni. The other one at that time, who's kind of the get, um, a more recent SNL alumni. And th those are your two big, those are your names. And then your, your, your other casting at the time would have been people that people were banking on being successful. It just doesn't happen. I guess the only question left to answer is uh theme song. Oh, we have two questions left to answer. Excuse me. Who's doing the No, nope. who's doing the soundtrack to this one? Well, I feel like I've taken a heavy hand with these. What are your thoughts? You know, music's really more your thing, man. Uh I feel like yeah, I'm out of my league. Yeah, but um, Striper. Oh my god, you just crushed it with Striper. Thanks. Well, yeah, but that was right there. I mean, if you want to talk about shitty metal, I'm your guy all day long. <laughs> I mean, 99, is it going to be rap rock? This is the only thing I have to ask because 99 is the golden age of corn limp. Oh, uh, just butt rock. Yeah. It was absolute garbage. Uh... Everything was garbage. Oh, well, dude, hold on. We can do better. If our protagonist is Rockabilly, is it like Reverend Horton Heat? Yes, it is. It's absolutely Reverend Horton Heat. Because the, the soundtrack should always reflect the protagonist. You know what it is? It's The Devil's Chasing Me. They just buy... They, oh. license, they license The Devil's Chasing Me by the Reverend Horton Heat, and that's that's your that's your opening song. That's, that's pirate, it. No, we're done. The pirate, the pirate survives the attack. He's burying the thing. He looks to the stars and you hear that dig 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big red clouds fill the sky. Okay. So oh I love that. And that gives a whole tone to the rest of the movie, which is the psychabilly rockabilly thing of like the mid to late two thousand or late mid to late nineties. That's great. That's great. Okay. So so my second question is, would you watch this movie? Oh, God. If you, I tell you what. If you get two writers to actually go through and punch a script up from that, it has everything that gives me a complete just orgasm. I just want to watch that movie so bad. I got the movie-gasm, Drew. I love it. <laughs> I have to say... It didn't. It didn't really all come together for me until Reverend Horton Heat, and now I'm going, oh man! If there was a movie that Reverend Horton Heat had done the score to, besides Love in a Forty Five, he was on that soundtrack. He's been on a couple soundtracks. Yeah, he's uh, been on a couple soundtracks. Sure, sure, sure. But like, oh, one where like he was. Oh my God, that's it. I'm done. Oh, I want to watch. I want to watch. I want to watch Clerks. Yeah, I want to watch Clerks meets. Uh, trimmers meets trimmers with Reverend Meet the, thing. the soundtrack. Oh my god, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I want to watch it. You know what's wild is that one actually. I feel so bad and also great because I love them for people who listen to this because that one came together in the last 10 minutes. It really did. That <laughs> <laughs> we recorded like an hour of like, here's some deep crap we want to talk about. It starts with me talking about the minions for like 15 minutes, and then there's like 
bunch of deep crap we talk about and then there's announcements and that was like a school day somebody just suffered through (laughs) but it did man it really did but we got there we got we got to the end we we did a movie i think i would watch the hell out of it I would watch it. I'd love to watch that. Are you kidding? John Lovitz and Joe Piscopo? Everything makes sense now that we have a theme song. How does that make it work? <laughs> we should have started with that, but yeah. that is, uh, I guess, Employees Must Watch It. Must, must, God, I can't say the title. Employees, employees Must Wash Hands. There you have it. And that came from? Oh, I'm sorry. I've, uh, I misplaced it. That came from Josh Labrie. Thank Josh. you, Josh. Really Gosh. lovely guy. I actually ran, uh, I have to say this because the podcast has already gone long. I ran into Joshy's guy, met at my local bar, and a really, really great appreciator of not just uh, the kind of films that we like, but film in general. So I hope he's listening. Josh, a true trashy, a really great guy. Josh, thank you so much for that su- uh, suggestion. Uh, as we announced earlier, we hope you'll uh, check us out October 26th at Kunstler Brewing in San Antonio. So the live events are starting back up. Um, we uh, every week take your suggestions and turn them into Righteous Trash Cinema, just like we did this week for Employees Must Wash Hands. Uh, if you have a suggestion, send it to us at planetxcinema at gmail.com or go to our website, planetxcinema.com. You can also submit over there. I'm Drew Hicks. And I'm Blair Hicks. It's been a blast! Thanks so much, guys. See you next week.